<sighs> Dainty Dallas. How do we start? Jazzy, it's just the boys tonight on Game of Oats. Hmm. I clear my throat after that one. Oh, oh man! The Where do we go from here? We're left alone, guys. Where do we go from here? This is like if Mad Men, if like Game of Thrones were set in a boardroom in the '60s in New York on Madison Avenue. Only because Kate is gone for the next, I think, eight or seven days. Something like that. I We're think she might even be back by the time we next get together. I think she's actually back. on Skype right now, which befuddles <laughs> the mind as to <laughs> she like what she's actually doing. But I don't think she knows how to turn Skype off. No, I, think. I don't think so either. Unless she just leaves it on, or maybe her uh, what does she have? A dog? A cat? Both. Is is like making long distance phone calls to her? Yeah. That's how she's communicating <laughs> with her dog. With her corgi. Look, I mean, whatever whatever gets you by. But uh, yeah, we are we are Kateless though, as as mm-hmm. Zach pointed out this week, and uh, it's a scary thought because we're not quite sure what's going to happen as we uh, <laughs> as we make this episode. Oh, yeah, she's kind of the glue, you know. She's the glue that kind of sticks us all together. <laughs> hey, uh, do you have a uh, a Skype call capture? Who, are me? you talking to me? Yeah, uh, Eric. Do you? No, I I, ugh, I don't think it was. It's not. No, it's not on this computer. No, it would be really funny if we tweeted. All right. Next person who fucking calls is going to come on and we're going to ask you a few questions. <laughs> How are you? Here's the thing. I mean, given who we're talking about this week, I would think that Kate's going to be rather disappointed that she's not here. Uh, you know, I had actually a, a conversation that I could reference uh, with her about this. Um, because the we, other day. we do know she she has the hots for him, right? I mean, she loves herself yeah. some Matt's Raider. Yeah. Well, I guess here here's what uh, here's what we said on, on text. Um I said, hey, forgot you were going to France. Uh, I want you to have lots of fun. And I, I have the new emojis now. Or not the new emojis, but I have emojis, and that's new. So I sent her a French poodle. And she <laughs> replied, thank you. Uh, enjoy Jon Snow without me. And then I said, I shall try. He's kind of a whiny bitch. But she didn't reply. So I think that she was probably offended, and I think that she really does like Jon Snow. <laughs> I, I thought it was Vance Raider, to be honest with you. Jeez. Uh, I mean, I was citing from memory of the show, but but to be honest, I I really enjoyed this this upcoming this this Jon Snow. Chapter. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I thought she she would be jealous because perhaps you know she's she's already read she's sullied like like Micah, but if she read recently, I mean, to everyone listening, people, this is a chapter. I mean, let's talk this about is, adaptation. Yeah. I know that we don't go into that altogether too much. How you but say chapter? This chapter. Uh, this chapter really shined in comparison to the TV show. Yeah. And I loved uh, what they did with John and Mance in the show for how little they did. But, oh yeah, God, this chapter is just like, welcome to a cooler, more fleshed out story, which is not yeah. a surprise, not a surprise at all, but Jesus, nope. it was pretty damn good. I think you guys are both right. This chapter uh, utterly exceeded my expectations um, and really felt like a good... Um, I don't know. It's nice to see this environment now north of the wall. It's really, really nice to see what kind nice of people are up here. 
Yeah. In what sense, though? I mean, well, you saw it in Clash of Kings. Uh, yes. It's been a while, though. Yes, but this time it's it's colored with the the free people, you know, and there's there's a lot of uh, themes uh, about freedom and individuality and stuff that mm-hmm. uh, John witnesses. The last we left John, he was just peering down into the camp. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of like the last look that we were given in the show as well. But instead of, of the way it opened in the show, we kind of open almost in the same spot. Like, literally, he's looking down at countless fires. He says hundreds, oh, no, thousands. And they look like little jewels glittering down low by the milk water. Very cool. He has an interesting revelation, though, and I think that this is, I mean, I think it's clear that it's kind of a plot um, point here, or it's 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 intentional that he says uh, right off the bat, you know, he's like, oh, 100 fires or 100 camp, or it's not one camp. It's a hundred camps, you know, it's hundreds of thousands of camps because they're not one united force. They're free people. They're disorganized. And mm-hmm. Ned, my dad said that, uh, good discipline would overrun, um, you know, uh, insurmountable forces nine times out of yeah. 10. So he's, uh, he's already thinking about taking these people on. The line was they had numbers, but the night's watch had discipline and in battle discipline beats numbers nine times of every 10. Are you citing His that from memory? Because now I just sound like an him. asshole. <laughs> no, I just, I'm reading it. Um, yeah. Mike is okay. like I read screen. digitally. Okay. <laughs> yep. Um, and I highlight digitally as well. So it makes it very easy to find it, but I had known that I had highlighted exactly what you're talking about. And, okay. and I think, you know, it's it, you get a really good insight in this chapter into how the the wildlings function or don't for that matter <laughs> right you know they're they're very much their own people even at the very very beginning of the chapter john has that internal monologue with himself where he says these are free folk indeed with the way that egret was talking to rattleshirt and you know the the they look to rattleshirt as being this quasi leader but they're not afraid to talk back to him. They know that even still, despite that he might be the the leader of this particular mission, he's still not their leader and they're still free to go and do whatever they want. And I think that works to their advantage in some cases. But I think, you know, as we see uh, when John is analyzing and, and looking at more from a tactical standpoint, how the camp itself or hundreds of camps are are in front of him. He sees vulnerability and he sees the fact that everything is very much disorganized. Right. I mean, freedom is great. And I, I love the I love the aspect that John uh, admits to see inside of the camp where it's not just people armed with spears or people fletching arrows that will one day make its way possibly to the north and kill people that he knows. He's seeing people that are living their lives. He's seeing women dance. He's seeing babies. He's seeing children play. That That's all. That's my favorite. That is my favorite paragraph right? of the whole of the whole chapter. It is. It is. I actually, even though I'm, I didn't digitally highlight it. I did mark it down in my in my analog. <laughs> did you underline here. it? With your pen? <laughs> no, I didn't underline it. But I, I I folded the page over. Can I read that that paragraph? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. All right. If you can. He's going through, and he's basically seeing all these guys with their arrows, fletching arrows, and he's saying, "Man, you know, each of those arrows is meant for one of my brothers." All this other shit. He's getting really down and into it. Um, but then there's this paragraph that says, but not all he saw was warlike. He saw women dancing as well and heard a baby crying and a little boy ran in front of his garin, all bundled up in fur and breathless from play. Sheep and goats wandered freely while oxen plodded along the riverbank in search of grass. The smell of roast mutton drifted from one cook fire and at another he saw a boar turning on a wooden spit. So... Mm-hmm. 
man, when you go up north, I'm telling you guys, even sheep and goats are free. Even the sheep and goats, they're just wandering freely. And that was my point. It's picturesque. It it feels uplifting. And it's certainly contrasting to what we've seen John go through so far. And it's certainly contrasting uh, the types of people we've seen him run into so far, this far north. But that being said, the the whole idea of, of leadership and the whole idea of how they treat the Lord of Bones, like, yes, it's it's kind of funny how they still follow his orders, but at the end of the day, um, you know, they're kind of able to to bandy about with him and, and throw around words and stuff. But what John is noting is that when it comes to action, when it comes to action that is important, a unified cause is always going to breed the most tight result. And when mm-hmm. your life is at play, and when not only your life, but the well-being of the kingdom that you've sworn to protect is at stake, it matters, those quick decisions and that fluidity of your of your group. But talk about the Romans and how they have their phalanx and how they have you know, their collapsible yeah. marching orders. And, and it's so it's so interesting to see how they've used these sort of disciplinary tactics into military. But when you when you think about the free folk and you think about these people and you think about how loose their camps are, it does make you consider them less of a threat than they were in the show. Because in the show, I felt like they were so much more scary uh, their numbers, like yes, they're disorganized, fine, but their numbers, geez, I mean, there's no way you can you can untopple that. But the yeah. more you meet them here in the books, it seems well, you know, John keeps on seeing just over and over. George is sort of like beating it into our minds that you know he's got half a piece of mail on, or he's got a, a sword that has a really crappy handle, and it's just like <laughs> you know, there's not much going for him in both discipline and uh, literal materialistic value to what they're able to throw into uh, a fight. So it's it's just, it's weird, you know, it's different. I think George really takes uh, care to, and, and makes real effort to romanticize uh, the North up here in, in this chapter in particular. Um, you know, when they do get to Mansurator's tent, everyone in there is a big happy family. It's his council, but it's like made up of the woman who's carrying his child, his like, what is it, his sister- and her man or her favorite pet, you know, this, that, the other thing, like they're all very much exactly what you're saying, Zach. They talk to each other very freely, very calmly, very. And we like them. We like them. Which is and different that, for this story. It is. The dude freaking spits chicken all over the place. I mean, and laughter and glee like and mirth. I mean, it reminds me of Robert mirth. Baratheon. <laughs> no, it reminds me of the hound. All the fucking chickens in this place. <laughs> yeah, but the hound doesn't laugh. So no, I mean, no, 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 no. Uh, but I just wanted to touch uh, before we kind of get into everything that happened in the tent, like something that Zach said about sort of just the the free-flowing nature of these people and how they're they're really there is no organization to them uh it 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 made me think a bit of the unsullied and how rigidly structured they are and you know if you ever had an instance where the unsullied would come up against the wildlings i mean it would it would be oh man it would be complete obliteration i mean you i yeah I view Mance Raider as a leader in the sense that he's really trying to lead his people to safety Salvation. more than anything yeah. else. He's not looking for a fight. You know, these aren't people who are, you know, seri- most of them are not seriously trained in combat to fight even the Night's Watch. I mean, we see that in, in the battle um, on the wall from, from season four. He has these thousands of people and the Night's Watch has all but maybe a couple hundred that are, that are based at the wall. And 
the wall is able to win. It's it's interesting that or you should say that back, yeah. that Mance isn't looking for a fight though, because what he did and what he has done or what he reveals to John in this chapter is very tactical. It's very like he wanted to look Robert Baratheon in the eye one day, and so he went and did that. Like that that's that to me is somebody who is actually smart enough and and actually is preparing for the at least the possibility of a confrontation yeah personally he's got the chops and that's why these people follow him in the first place but at the end of the day it's a gleeful band of people you know there's there's some dangerous people mixed in yes but i don't know it's 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 cool i like it i love torment i love the new I yeah mean, to me to me he's a new torment which is i i i mean i'm striking that from my mind completely i love torment because damn he the way he stood up and uh, uh was like hold on like you you gave you gave steer his title and you explained like give me my <laughs> bit now it was just uh that was cool i like that yeah no Tormund is and and, and i mean mance uh has 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 done is doing really cool stuff in this chapter but Tormund is a, a surprise um kind of special surprise special guest in this tent i want to say maybe we touched on it when the scene was in the t- uh, on, on Someone's TV. calling. <laughs> oh wait, hold on. <laughs> Can we have this right now? Okay. Yeah. Um, shit. <laughs> Adam, 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 make sure it's recording. We bring you this interruption in our program to anyone who follows our Twitter account. Uh, we're going to answer the call of a random listener because <laughs> Kate this isn't is, here. <laughs> this is Kate's first replacement. Let's see how they do. All right, there he is. Uh, hello, <laughs> hello there. Hi. Hey. Uh, Greetings. Well, welcome to Game of Owns. What's on your mind? Yeah. Um, what are you thinking right now? Uh, I'm pretty... Uh, well, you guys are very crafty. Um, I was watching Boardwalk Empire. I thought I'd check, check the Twitter, and um, lo and behold, uh, there was a call to action. So, uh, Yeah, man. Was it that bad that you had to call us? <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, I think uh, Game of Owns is uh, a bit more important than Boardwalk Empire. So, oh. so do we. Oh, wow. Can we have that That's writing, good. please, sir? No. Uh, <laughs> like, I'd like to share that with uh, HBO. Yeah, it's, if you focus HBO, would like to share that, too. Uh, no, but, uh, so this man has offered our, or has uh, taken up our, our call to action. Uh, you want to introduce yourself, sir? Uh, sure. Um, my name is Evan. And um, I'm from California. I live in Southern California. And I've been listening to Game of Bones since, I want to say, early 2012. Awesome. Yeah. Now, what Westerosian house are you, if I could ask? (laughs) Unless, Or are you one of those Essos peeps? No, I'm not an Essos person per se. But, um, gosh, uh, it's so hard to pick. I do like house... Oh, gosh, I'm going to embarrass myself here. Uh, House Blackwood. Blackwood. Ooh, yes, Blackwood. Blackwood. Yeah. Micah's stroking his chin beard right now. <laughs> do, you have, do you have a chin beard right now, Micah? That's something I haven't asked no, yet today. No. Okay, that's good. Cleanly shaven. Well, you're going back to work tomorrow, so uh, yeah, yeah. So I got to be. So uh, Evan, Kate's not here tonight. Um, she's in on her. I guess she's in France right now, on her way, something like that. You are her first replacement for the evening so far. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess th- this is where we could ask you to do your very best Kate impression, but I hate to put you on the spot. Well. You know, no, um, that was my. <laughs> can you can you cackle really loud? Uh, no, we we won't ask you to no, do that. No, 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 that's okay. Hey, you know what's so totally cool about House Blackwood is they their words do not appear in the books. This is what I'm reading now. Oh yeah, um, I hadn't even thought about that. Um, that I mean, adds a little bit of mystery to them, wouldn't you right? say? Right. Yeah. Right? Yes, cool. absolutely. We're doing a we're doing John's first chapter in Storm of Swords right now. 
Yes. Uh, and if you'd like our good new friend, Evan, uh, you, you could give us the own for this chapter, your own for this chapter. Uh, my own of the chapter, I would say, has to go to, uh, has to go to Mance. Um, good choice. Just, uh, just, just flooring John with, uh, what he's assembled there. I mean, John's kind of, uh, at a loss for words, I guess you could say. I mean, to taking, taking in that wildling cap, it's, uh, quite awe inspiring, I'd say. Um, yeah. I feel that, the same way. That's why I'd give my own too. Yeah, I yeah. think Mance owned me as well. I guess it was technically George, but I kind of still like give Mance credit for it. <laughs> Mance, well, pe- his people call him the Mance. It's yeah. Like... <laughs> or your Mance. <laughs> your Mance. Your Mance. That's a new one. Uh, cool. I, have to, I have to give Evan credit, though. He he gave his house on the spot. He gave his Kate impression on the spot. Yep. And he gave his own on the spot. Yeah, you're a I man think, of action. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's my duty, right? As a as a listener of this show, um, yes. should, I should know. I should know. <laughs> Zach, did you pay him to come on the show? I did not. He's no, perfectly not, not perfectly prepped. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, we vetted. Well, uh, no, we vetted before he came we, on. We vetted. <laughs> you screened him. Yeah, I screened him before he came on. It was all good. I mean, with this chapter that we've read with John one, for instance, there's this backstory where Mance says to John, "I've seen you twice before." And John's like, what? And Mance tells him about how he's he's been to Winterfell. (laughs) (laughs) Now he's been to Winterfell and he caught him building snow forts uh, the first time. And now the second time he was, well, I mean, just Mance's whole gimmick is that he plays uh, music very well. So that, that, that whole backstory, though, was not in the show of him being at Winterfell. You can tell, I mean, why, because they weren't going to go cast Mance Raider in the pilot episode. I was going to say, that's an excellent point. I mean, that would have been fun to at least have a little line there, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, part of that own I gave, I mean, I wish I could have touched on that too. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. He's such a badass that, uh, he had snuck into Winterfell, uh, to see King Robert. <laughs> just I mean, just he, to have a look. Yeah, just to have a look. He's a planner. I mean, that puts and maybe it's a book tactic, but it it just puts Mance up there with the rest of them. I mean, you hear about him being called the king beyond the wall, but he's so far gone, he's so beyond the wall that it's like, well, how does it ever matter? But if you if you know that he was in the same room with King Robert, with uh his queen, Cersei, you know, Ned Stark all of the Starks, in fact, at Winterfell, um, as well as the Imp, as well as the Kingslayer, all of those, and Mance were in the same room together. Then you just get really, it's like excited. It's like these darn casting news. It's like, what? These guys are in a scene? It's like all of these characters who are like the major p- people were all in a room at Winterfell eating and drinking. Well, and it, it was intentionally done on the part of, of George R. R. Martin. That's why as soon as John comes into the tent, he kind of, you know, dismisses Mance, who he doesn't know as Mance at the time, but you know, it's it's a direct parallel to what happened at Winterfell. Nobody knew who Mance really was. They just right. thought he was oh, it's just some musician, you know, and that's creative writing on the part of uh another old guy with a beard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh just for you, man, we haven't even read the first two paragraphs in the chapter yet. <laughs> do we always do that? Is that like a thing we always, always do? We have literally never not done it this year. Really? Because you, you let me read that other paragraph that was like from five pages in. It's from already. one page in. 
right? Uh, was it just one page? It was like a I'm page. Like, uh, well, no, he's got the oh, he's, got he's got the got real the, oh, version. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we use the one on the computer. <laughs> right, you use right. like the 15 inches by 27 inch scroll. Tone Mine is measured you. in pixels, my friend. In pixels. <laughs> uh, hang on, I'm reading that. Uh, I've got, I've got them right here. I've got them right here. 95. So what I read is on page 95 and the chapter starts on eight on, nine, on 90. But that doesn't mean anything to the iBook or the PDF. Yeah, I'm plus, saying, plus, I'm saying, may I remind you that Evan is so nicely sitting here listening to us ramble about nothing. Ugh. Just another day listening to Game of Thrones, right, Evan? Right. It is. It is. Uh, it's, it's so crazy. I can't believe I'm part of this. Uh, Dude, I'm thrilled for you to be part of this. You're awesome, man. That's cool. I feel sorry for you for having been a part of this. You know, Evan, do you have your book handy, Storm of Swords? I have my uh, um, iPhone in front of me right now, but it doesn't say the chapter name. Do you know there what you chapter it is? There you okay. go. Wait, is he about to read this? Yeah, yeah. Let's get, let's let him do the. Uh, he's the new replacement for Kate, isn't he? So normally. All right. Uh, shall I shall I begin? Go. Yeah, man. Go ahead. Okay. The world was gray darkness, smelling of pine and moss and cold. Pale mists rose from the black earth as the riders threaded their way through the scatter of stones and scraggly trees, down toward the welcoming fires strewn like jewels across the floor of the river valley below. There were more fires than Jon Snow could count. Hundreds of fires, thousands, a second river of flickery lights along the banks of the icy white milk water. The fingers of his sword hand opened and closed. They descended the ridge without banners or trumpets, the quiet broken only by the distant murmur of the river, the clop of hooves, and the clacking of Rattleshirt's bone armor. Somewhere above, an eagle soared on great blue-gray wings, while below came men and dogs and horses and one white direwolf. That's like. Let's put our hands together. Come on. Yeah, that was well done. Thank you, man. Am I the only one that's going to clap? Way better than Kate. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start those rumors now. I just love how that ends, dude. And one white direwolf. It's like. The smallest of them all was Madeline, but she's the most important. It's just like, hey, and there's one direwolf, FYI. One white direwolf. It's not a dog, it's bigger than all the dogs. And it takes bites out of other men's legs. It just tells you a lot about what you're about to read, that Ghost is there with him, that he's a part of what is happening, that he hasn't been chased off and or killed yet. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely feel uh, protection for John. You feel like he's a little bit more protected. Like, Ghost is just outside the tent the whole time John's in the tent. And you just feel better. I mean... It's really like, I think early on, this was paralleled in our show. We were talking about how Sansa is like all alone because her direwolf's dead. Oh, now yeah. We, now we have John though, and his direwolf's right outside there and can easily, well, not easily, but you know, it could foreseeably possibly help him out. Thank you. Holy crap, dude, for like <laughs> listening and helping us, you know, even just with the click of your button and listening, like, uh, make the show together because this is what we do and we have a lot of fun. We're friends and this is, this is really fun for us. So thanks for. Not only listening, but also <laughs> joining in Answering and calling us call. on Skype in the middle of the night. Yeah, <laughs> we hope you've had as much fun as we have. Oh, definitely. Um, it's it's. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for creating this uh, opportunity. I, I maybe I should tweet Kate about that. Uh, <laughs> if it weren't for her, maybe I wouldn't have this chance. But anyway, thank you so much, guys. Uh, uh, rock on. Thanks, yeah, man, dude. rock on. Thank Come you. back anytime. And have a fantastic night. You should also say hi to all the listeners that are listening and that are like, Evan, that's no fair. <laughs> well, you guys, uh, keep your eyes on Twitter. <laughs> that's all I have to say. You know, that's, It's Twitter. So thanks again for having me on. Thanks, dude. Have a good awesome. night. Go House Blackwater. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah, that was good. I like that. All right. <laughs>
<laughs> Where? So John are we? John gets into the tent. John gets into the tent. Right, mm-hmm. walks right past this uh, flautist. Is it a flute? Is it a lyre? What is it? Flautist. Is that what they're called? He plays the Beetle flute. The bard. Yeah. No. He walks by a. Let's just call him a musician, okay? So we don't get into the technicalities of everything here. Well, I have it right here in this book. It's just not digital, so I can't like find. Uh, Pregnant woman stood over a brazier. brazier. It's a brazier. I keep wanting to say brazier. It's a fucked up word. It's a fucked up word, okay? Which one? Brazier or brazier? Brazier. Okay, it's a lute. He's playing a lute. He's a lutist. He's a lutist. You're a lutist. (laughs) John walks right by this lutist and immediately goes to this magnar of Fen. Which, completely different from his introduction in the show, I thought his introduction in the show was far more badass. That's true. Uh, I agree. Magnar here... Or I should say, Steyr, Steer, Stir. Probably we cover we cover all our bases there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know he just seems like one of the guys. You know he he's he's a he actually has some humor to him. He's he's really intimidating, but he does have some humor. He has dialogue. I think that's part of the scary part is like when he's not just eating children. But it's still, I mean, generally, it's still a much more lighthearted conversation than like when you have. Um, him walking into the camp with Egret and and Tormund in the show, and it's like this really badass, dark, ominous music as this cannibalistic, you know, crazy motherfucker like enters. You know, you don't get that from this particular scene. No, like in this tent, there's this pregnant woman with an unborn child, and it's like everybody in there is the kind of person who, in the book anyway, is like safe enough to be around, you know, an unborn child. It's like they're not going to harm this woman with her kid. So it's like, you know, it's just like, it's very familial. It's very communal. It's very, it just feels, if you feel safe for some, or you feel like these people are not bad people at all. Well, when we enter the tent, we've got uh, an aged musician who's playing a song. And the song isn't a song that would be, you know, in the background of a, of a scary place. It's not <laughs> a song that would be played somewhere where they need to be taken seriously. Uh, he's singing about a Dornishman's wife. And also the Dornishman himself, which, uh, as the uh, the paragraphs go on, what ends up happening in the story is the Dornishman takes care of this man, the person singing, supposedly, or the one who wrote the tale. But at least he tasted the Dornishman's wife. <laughs> yeah, it's a good song. So it's it's probably it's it's happy. Yeah, it's a very happy song. And that's pretty much the whole the whole feeling of this tent right now. I mean, we do have Tormund and his white beard. And his spit of chickens, and we do have Steer, who I agree um, was introduced in a much more badass way in the television show. So obviously, there's pros and cons to all of this, and and you know, really, it's all just opinion, and it's all just how you feel about stuff. But it was pretty cool having him here and having him be a proper part of the court and a proper part of the procession. And geographically, it makes more sense that the Thins would be with him here. Rather than, you know, them meeting the Thins just south of the wall or, you know, it just, it it makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Well, uh, one more thing about it, uh, that I was thinking John in this chapter is, is he's kind of reminiscing about what the crows were even doing north of the wall. They were looking for some sort of strange power. And when he first meets Mance Raider, Mance Raider tells him exactly who he is. (laughs) He says, you know, you're Jon Snow, uh, you're Ned Stark's bastard, the snow of Winterfell. And he's just, what? You know, so I, I think that um, he thinks for a second there that Mance Raider is, is uh, psychic or something, that this is the source of these powers up north. It's a very interesting possibility. I, I mean, and, and Mance certainly backs up why he recognizes John, but 
you know, there's something about recognition in this series, I think, that comes a little bit more easily than we would expect it to in, like, today's society. You know, people have much more apt ability to recognize other people. Mm -hmm. Um, At least that's been my experience in reading the series, and I think we've seen enough of it now. You know, a a lot of times you get, oh, you're so-and-so, son of so-and-so, or daughter of so-and-so, you know? Right. There's there's that immediate recognition, and, and I thought that it was... Um, you know, it, it was really, really important. There was a line and I thought I highlighted it, but I didn't. Um, or maybe it's somewhere here. Let me just give me one second. But I think it's Mance that has the line about there being something wolf-like about him. I think it's right as soon as he, uh, it's just the camp. Yeah. It was the weeper. Um, the guy's like, Oh, it's, it's Rattleshirt who was speaking. And he was like, this guy's also a warg or whatever. And he was like, oh, really? I kind of could see something wolfish about him. It was kind of <laughs> an offhand, just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. And I, I really just thought the whole the whole bit with, with Ghost entering the camp. And uh, they're like, uh, Longspear Rick's like, they don't much care for that beast of yours. And John's like, they're dogs and he's a wolf. They know he's not their kind. And then he, inside of his head, he goes, no more than I am yours. So like this whole time, John and Ghost are both just like, all right. We're undercover. We're incognito. We've got to do our job. I mean, this is the same kind of balls that he showed at the end of the the last season, really. And mm-hmm. uh, it's he's tough. Yeah, he is. It's because uh, you know, you're not entirely sure how John is going to be able to convince Mance that he has in fact turned his cloak and gone over, uh, you know, from a brother of the Night's Watch to truly being a free person and. You know, they have that discussion about Corin, which I think is important. And, you know, Mance mentions the fact that, you know, Corin w- was his enemy, but at the same time, he was also his brother. Yeah. And John starts to pick up on things and says, you ought to thank me for killing your enemy and curse me for killing your friend. Yeah. And I think immediately that made a connection with Mance where... He realized that this is somebody that he could have a legit conversation with, that it's not some kid that's just wet behind the ears and is is trying to pull one over on him. This is somebody that he can maybe even identify with on some level. Yeah, there's this duality, I think, that John plays on here. I mean, it's it's because Mance was both a brother and a deserter that John is able to find his in by by basically at the end of it saying, well, I'm a bastard, so even though I'm kind of my family are are royalty or my family are are noble blood i'm not and so it's like i live among them but i'm not one of them and uh it's that's what connects i mean i guess basically john is allowing his own words to imply that he resents his bastardness and that he wants glory um out of out of joining the brothers uh beyond the wall I mean, yeah. that's how I read into it. Mance kind of gave the story about how he came to know Jon Snow, but he also gave a really important story in how he became to be who he is. And I, I think it's worth reading Definitely. because it gives a lot of it gives a lot of good backstory. And and I think Jon's immediate response to it is also what allows Mance to trust him. You know, because they're the stories are not exactly equal, um, but I think there are some things that kind of connect with each other from them. Uh, One day on a ranging, we brought down a fine big elk. We were skinning it when the smell of blood drew a shadow cat out of its lair. 
I drove it off, but not before it shredded my cloak to ribbons. Do you see? Here, here, and here, he chuckled. It shredded my arm and back as well, and I bled worse than the elk. My brothers feared I might die before they got me back to Maester Mullen at the Shadow Tower, so they carried me to a wildling village where we knew an old wise woman did some healing. She was dead, as it happened, but her daughter saw to, my, or saw to me, cleaned my wounds, sewed me up, and fed me porridge and potions until I was strong enough to ride again. And she sewed up the rents in my cloak as well, with some scarlet silk from a shy that her grandmother had pulled from the wreck of a cog washed up on the frozen shore. It was the greatest treasure she had and her gift to me. He swept the cloak back over his shoulders, but at the shadow tower, I was given a new wool cloak from stores, black and black and trimmed with black to go with my black breeches and black boots, my black doublet and black mail. <laughs> Not bad. The new cloak <laughs> had no frays, nor rips, nor tears, and most of all, no red. The men of the night's watch dressed in black. Sir Dennis Malister reminded me sternly, as if I had forgotten, my old cloak was fit for burning now, he said. I left the next morning for a place where a kiss was not a crime and a man could wear any cloak he chose. He closed the clasp and sat back down again. And you, Jon Snow? John took another swallow of mead. <laughs> there is only one tale that he might believe, said John to himself in his inner monologue. You say you were at Winterfell the night my father feasted King Robert. I did say it, for I was. Then you saw us all, Prince Joffrey and Prince Tommen, Princess Marcella, my brothers Rob and Bran and Rickon, my sisters Arya and Sansa. You saw them walk the center aisle with every eye upon them and take their seats at the table just below the dais where the king and queen were seated. I remember. And did you see where I was seated, Mance? Did you see where they put the bastard? Mance Raider looked at John's face for a long moment. I think we had best find you a new cloak. <laughs> the king said. Holding out his hand. <laughs> but it's not going to be a black one. Hope you like red or brown or green, John. Hell, pick your own color. <laughs> you're, you're free now. You're free. Wow. I don't know. I just like this I idea. This. Yeah, this, It was beautiful. The whole passage is great. But when Mance says um, the new cloak had no frays, nor rips, nor tears, and most of all, no red, there's this real um, entitlement. There's this real pride of having bled in your cloak. You know, the fact that there's no red in this new cloak, it means it's like, hasn't been worn in, hasn't been lived in, hasn't, it's not, you know, it's just, so he resents authority or rejects authority or rejects this idea that he has to dress a certain way. I mean, he was proud of this cloak and had a story of this woman who patched him up and patched his cloak up. And so there's this real passion. He's a feeler, that man's raider. Um, there's a passion there that just doesn't, uh, that isn't allowed on the wall. But ultimately, I think that that sums up this, this chapter quite nicely because we're talking about the free folk being, um, feelers and thinkers for themselves. Whereas in a command structure, you're supposed to, there's no question ever of whether or not you will follow an order or a command because you're, you're all part of this this army with this rigid, you know, hierarchy and structure versus the free folk who each get to decide for themselves, you know, if they want to right. surge forward or if they want to turn right and hide. They just kind of stop time. wherever they want. Yeah. 
or stop whenever and wherever they want. Kind of like us. We're going to do our owns right now. <laughs> Eric, you have your, your own prepared for the audience? Hell yeah, I have my own prepared. Okay, so my own goes to Tormund, Giant Spain. <laughs> There's more to his name than that. Yeah, yeah could you please there? And that read is off. my own. <laughs> oh, That's good, my good. own, Micah. Come good. on. <laughs> Thank you for pre-hashing that own. I love. I'm just setting you up. I'm setting you. Agreed, up. Agreed, Raider beckoned John closer. If you would join us, you'd best know us. The man you took for me is Stir Magnar of Then. Magnar means Lord in the old tongue. Hmm, useful. Yeah. The earless man stared at John coldly as Mance turned to the white-bearded one. Our ferocious chicken eater here is my loyal Tormund. <laughs> the woman Tormund rose to his feet. Hold. You gave Stir his style. Give me mine. Mance Raider laughed. As you wish. Jon Snow, before you stands Jorman... Uh, <laughs> before you stands Tormund Giantsbane. Tall talker, horn blower, and breaker of ice. And here also Tormund Thunderfist, husband <laughs> to bears. The mead king of Ruddy Hall. God, yes. Speaker to gods and father of hosts. The mead king of Ruddy, of Ruddy Hall. Hall. I want to know what went down at Ruddy Hall. I want to know. Everything. That's like Let's do not know. That's Chris. like the Woodstock of, of the, in my headcanon, it's like Hall. the Woodstock of <laughs> Westeros. He's like, whatever went Ruddy down at Ruddy Hall, Tormund owned it all. That would be a great like miniseries as far as Game of Thrones is concerned, just the mystery of Ruddy Hall and like what yeah. happened. That could be good. That was a, yeah. that was one of the best owns I've ever heard on our show, my friend. My particular favorite is Husband to Bears. <laughs> I don't know if it's from <laughs> the bestiality angle, but it's oh, just yeah. like at what point did he pick up that merit badge? Like, yes, you're you're now husband to bears. Like what bear did he wed? What bear <laughs> wife was like such a hot mama that he said, Oh man, have to marry this one. I don't know, man. Those bears. She's a keeper. Yeah. <sighs> so that's my own. What do you guys got? I'll give mine. My own is nowhere near as good as that own. I'm just going to prepare everyone <laughs> that's listening and hoping to hear something that will uh, will uh, make them feel inspired to be great people. Just don't mine give it to John. That's my request. to Egret, who was with John for the better part of the beginning of this chapter and uh, sort yeah. of ushered him along the uh, walking trail and uh, into the tent area. And then, of course, she left. But this was this is what happened. They're speaking about his freedom. He goes, and when I'm free, he said slowly, will I be free to go? She says, sure you will. She had a warm smile despite her crooked teeth. And we'll be free to kill you. It's dangerous <laughs> being free, but most come to like the taste of it. She put her gloved hand on his leg just above the knee. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's my own. You're giving John and us a little teaser. Oh, the more I read about Egret, uh, the really more that I'm endeared by Rose Leslie's performance. Mm. Yeah, she did a great job. Fabulous. Portrayal. My own goes to Long Spearick, and uh, it starts out first uh, with a rattle shirt when he says, "Might be you fooled these others, Crow, but don't think you'll be fooling Mance. He'll take one look at you and know you're false, and when he does, I'll make a cloak of your wolf there and open your soft boy's belly and sew a weasel up inside." And Longspear Rick only laughed. <laughs> and where would you find a weasel in the snow? Right? That's a See, good question. You don't want to know the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. 
He's storing a weasel for just such those occasions. I'm uh, sure of it. I'm sure. I highlighted that too because I thought it was so good because it was like, shit, way to be thrust into the violence uh, really quickly. Because before that, like, it grits hooting at him. You know what I mean? Like, they're they're just kind of like, they're having a a loose conversation and we're, of course, forgetting the grim reality of where they are, but. This guy turns to him and talks about cutting him open. Yeah, and putting, right, it, putting a live animal. Just like he he brings some, he brings it down a yeah, notch. He He's like, "You're not going to find a weasel in the snow. Like, what yeah. the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Rattle shirt. Like, chill the fuck out." It's a but, terrifying thought. It reminds me of is it the tickler or yeah over yeah. in uh, mm-hmm. Heron Hall? Yeah, and we saw. I think we didn't we see mice or rodents of some sort uh, kill some guy. Yeah, but that's exactly what we're talking about here with the. Uh, sewing you up with a weasel. It's just a larger here. rodent that's big. Yeah. <laughs> weasel is just a bigger uh, mouse. Uh, it's going to eat its way out of you, though. That's the point. I did want to give a um, just an honorable mention to uh, to George R. R. Martin uh, because, once again, I think we've seen it already mentioned um, one time. I, I'm drawing a blank on what chapter, but uh, you know, this is going to become, I think, a bit of a recurring th- line or, or thought. Uh, but uh, it is mentioned um, by Mance Raider when he's talking about uh, the, the you know the Bale the Bard and that whole story. But he he notes how he didn't you know look to take any of John's sisters, and there's there's a clear mention um, you know he's saying that Ned would have his head off. But as the line follows that, though once I had eaten at his board, I was protected protected by guest right. right the laws of hospitality are as old as the first men and sacred as a heart tree yeah so these are like little nuggets that are being put in there um which you know guess right guess privilege where's this gonna come into play i don't know Micah? if it's really foreshadowing um i, think, yeah, so. I think it's it's overtly like uh, like davos's literacy like so much that we've seen so far that um are, are yeah. elements into what we've seen recently in the show and i, mean, and I want to say really guest rights have come up um in another chapter that we've read at the start of this book, I just I'm drawing a blank on which one it was, but I think we noted it then as well. So it's it's just something to keep an eye out on mm-hmm. as we progress through, um, because it obviously does play such a large role. Damn, Walder Frey. And I know we had Evan on the call when we had we sent the tweet out, and we had a, he was our first listener to call in, um, and that was very cool when we were talking about the the Mance Raider stuff. But I just want to echo again uh, a secondary honorable mention. Uh, what he did just to get a glimpse of Robert, just to kind of figure out what was going on in the world, you know, already being the person that he is, mm-hmm. climbing the wall by himself with just a little bit of silver in his musical instrument and joining the uh, the royal procession as it, as it made its way to Winterfell just on the wings and then to eventually end up sitting in the very hall that he aimed to be near. That's a that's a crafty individual right yeah. there. Very cool. I mean, he has in his mind's eye, he can see the chamber at Winterfell you know, the dinner chamber or whatever. And he make, he stands up from his tent, mm-hmm. grabs a bag of silver and his, his loot and makes it happen. And that's what we'd like to see from you guys listening at home. Owns things that you like to send to us. Words of joy and of hellos. And since Kate's in France, we're going to ask Eric to lead the charge on a segment that he normally leads the charge in. Right, Eric? <laughs> what? <laughs> That did not make it. Since Kate's in France, the sun's coming up tomorrow, and it's setting tomorrow night. Uh, what I want to know, actually, I have a question for Micah. Micah, you have to explain this for a little while here, because somebody named Angie seems to think that you would make an awesome Brienne of Tarth. 
Do you know? I saw that tweet. Yeah. Was this? What's this? Uh, did I miss a tweet somewhere from Game of Thrones? Yeah, I think you did. Um, I th- I think it had to do with. Uh, it's a tweet underneath some- it. Halloween costumes, if I'm not mistaken. I get this. Okay, Ukin says, how about if you all promise to dress up as Game of Thrones characters? Was this in response to your question about what perks we should offer for Patreon? Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay, and how about, okay, so Ukin said, how about if you all promise to dress up as Game of Thrones characters for Halloween and we get to choose the characters? I like that. Okay, okay. We might just have to do that anyway. Angie thinks you'd make an awesome Brienne. Well, if we're going like... Across gender lines here, I think Please. I would volunteer to be Cersei. I wanted to be drunk Cersei. Drunk Cersei? Uh, okay, you be Cersei, I'll be drunk Cersei. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of us should oh, just good. be Jamie then, since they're twins. Or Kate could be the hound and I could be Arya. Now, that would be funny. <laughs> we didn't have Houndria. That would be good. She would you be a really good report. hound, a strong hound. Uh, I'll consider, I think it's, uh, we should just say we'll consider that, uh, as a potential, uh, stretch goal or perk for Also, for Angie, I'd just like to say on behalf of me, um, I agree. I think Micah would make a very awesome Brienne. I agree. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam agrees. Good. Sam agrees. He knows Micah pretty well. We have a, a new, uh, I don't know if it's a new fan, but we have a, a big, big fan here. Layla, I'm not going to read the Twitter handle <laughs> out loud. Uh, Layla, <laughs> Layla says, the last two minutes of Game of Owns Midsummer Dreams is the greatest thing to happen in a podcast. <laughs> Kate and Zach have the same laugh. We're the same person, guys. That's the whole trick. Oh, gosh. We were just talking about Brienne. Brienne of Tarth <laughs> tweeted us three days ago and said, there are hundreds of episodes of Game of Owns to listen to at work to keep me awake. Thank the old gods and the new. Thanks, Brian. We're like coffee. We are what like is she coffee. Doing? What does she do for work? For work? I mean, uh, yeah. I'm sure it's an office job. What if she was the person that took money at those uh, toll booths, like like in Oklahoma or something? I could see her do that. <laughs> right? She's like, well, you know, I killed the hound, sort of, I think, and then I made my way to the toll booth and settled down for a while. Great benefits. It's a government job. But, um, Are they really? Because like that's the whole point of them paying a toll, because the government doesn't pay for the road. <laughs> oh, you know what? I think I you're right. Know. No, I'm wondering now if you're right because I was thinking some, somehow I confuse postal workers with no. I'm pretty sure the toll booth operators are on a government pay. I'll have to look that up. Write in and let us know a person that doesn't do that. Brittany Black wrote in and said, Game of Thrones officially in Guinness Book of World Records as most pirated TV show. If that's not an own, I don't know what is. That's an own. And the lady Ash wrote to us as well and said, glad to have been a part of that record. Winky face. Uh, (laughs) Winky face. Yeah, somebody's admitting to some uh, illegal uh, piracy there. Well, you know, HBO says, eh. So, yeah. yeah. Well, our him. stance on it will be a thumbs up, a slightly stronger, eh. Yeah. Yeah. Just a big resounding, eh. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> it's better than an <laughs> Emmy. Of course, we did hear, uh, we did get one own. This is from Susan Stacy, and she concurs with me, who said, uh, they say, uh, Storm of Swords Chapter 7 John Tormund owns all his titles and he wears them well yes he does Tormund wears his titles just as well as uh, Mance uh, wears his uh, beat up cloak that's I what so. I would say mm-hmm. maybe possibly better 
And we heard from Jeff Lightfoot. You guys know this. Uh, Jeff wrote into us a little while ago. He's the chair of his <laughs> department at high school. Thank you, Zach, for that intro earlier that got cut. Uh, John, actually, do you guys want to read it? So uh, Jeff has this to say. Uh, Storm of Swords, John 1, owned to half hand for making it dutiful for one of Ned Stark's kids to be a lying, oath-breaking, soon-to-be man-whore. Yeah, Teacher Jeff! <laughs> <laughs> Sir Jeff. Sir Jeff. Sir Jeff. Keep keep writing in. Sir Lightfoot. That actually sounds pretty badass, to be honest yeah, with you. Sir Lightfoot, it, it does. does. Absolutely. Uh, Jen Wyman, or women, as Micah called her last week, uh, she wrote in for a correction on her uh, Queen of Thrones bit, if you remember that own where it said Queen of oh, Thrones with yeah. Kate. Okay. Uh, she says, and for the record... I met Queen of Thorns. Well, you know, Jen, both worked. And your uh, picture beside your profile is very cool. So we hope you have it. Is that a Pac-Man balloon? It's a person holding a balloon that was clearly drawn by another person. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. And just in case we haven't heard enough from our favorite social studies department chair, Mr. Jeff sent us an email. He says, hello again. This is the same teacher who emailed earlier and told you... that there were those of us reading along with you in Storm of Swords. Rest assured, I would not use the term fooking in front of my class and that those of us in education have wide vocabularies our students never get to hear. That being said, I can't exactly play your podcast in class, but do discuss the books and TV show with a number of my students, and we have a lot of fun trading theories. And then he goes on to talk about the three of us and how Eric and I sound the same. And then he goes on to say stuff that's very loving and nice. So to you, Jeff, we say again, you are our teacher of the week. Teacher of the teacher, week. Let's teacher of the week is brought to you by Patreon.com. <laughs> yeah. If you head on over to Patreon.com slash goo. See, the whole reason why we did that that little bit there is that we don't want to have to do um and, and are actually committed as we've talked to a number about a number of times, not doing ads on the show. One of the ways we can get around that is Patreon. That is something that you can find out more information about over on our page, which is patreon.com slash goo. We have a number of uh exciting new things and ideas uh for it coming soon. And really just uh it's important to check us out. It's a great way to support this show, which is ad-free, remains being ad-free and will forever. Unless Viacom buys us, that'd be our turner. It <laughs> could happen. That's, that's what we're aiming for, <laughs> to be quite honest. <laughs> that's the end game, ladies and gents. But no, every time, I mean, we have great conversations. If you think the conversations are good on the show, wait till you hear the conversations that take place right before recording. They will blow your minds. <laughs> We've got a special... I don't know. We're, we're, we're working on, on, on titling and naming it all correctly in the way we want it to be, but we're kind of making it an extra show completely mm. that is accessible to our little birds on Patreon. We're really excited to that. We're thinking about potentially, um, wearing, um, 1800 Siberian bear hunting armor and <laughs> battling each other. Oh, God. <laughs> battling each other. No, I'm not getting within 10 feet of not you, dude. Good. You'll crush me. <laughs> not that's good. But <laughs> to anyone no, wondering if it works, it's got to work. It has to work. There's no, there's no <laughs> Can way to work. Can that replace the $20,000 stretch goal of me getting a tattoo of Theana across my back? <laughs> no, Can that's no. a $50,000 stretch goal. And Eric, 50, if, it, oh. if it reaches there, you got to do it for the banner men, man. Well, you know, I you think, just, you got to show solidarity. Solidarity. We'll yeah. talk about that later. Basically, the whole gist of this is we have a lot of really interesting ideas to us, and we hope that you will also find them interesting and enjoyable. If you've been listening this long, chances are that you kind of 
get what we're putting down. So that's fun. Mm -hmm. And the more of us that band together, the the more likely that we're able to make all of this a reality. And that includes the ideas we have now. And that includes the ideas that are in the bank. And that includes the ideas that are still on on its way. So uh, we thank you for supporting and being a part of this. The web address is patreon.com slash goo. And it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash goo. Spell it, Eric. Goo. I'm, I'm pressing. So I'm being your Vanna White. I'm pressing the. Uh, oh yeah, you be my Vanna White. Up. You be my. You can be my Vanna. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa. Okay, so All right, Pat, wait, Micah, do we have any? Jack. Do we have any? Uh, do we have any W's, Micah? Any W's? Oh God, we uh, can't start at the beginning. From the, from the from the wall, from the wall, we're gonna scroll no. up on our wall. If oh, you, there you uh, go okay. over to Facebook.com/slash Game of Owns, yeah. And uh, the Twitter, of course, is at Game of Owns on Twitter. This is how you send us owns, people. You can write on our wall, twitter.com slash Game of Owns. You can email us the way that Sir Jeff uh, does and hopefully continues to do. Social Studies rocks, Teachers rock, you rock, Sir Jeff. Schoolhouse rocks. Contact at GameofOwns.com. Am I forgetting something? We did the Facebook. We did the Twitter. We did the Patreon. We did uh, the email. Of course, we're on iTunes, guys. I don't know if you knew this. We are on iTunes, and um, it is a place where you can rate and review the show, let other people know that we exist, and uh, it is the month of September, so nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Ah, September. Uh, we will, we'll get to some reviews on uh, next week's episode, but uh, we do always appreciate people who go and uh, leave their feedback on iTunes because uh, it helps. Mm-hmm. It helps it us all. It does. It helps. It helps those that are struggling to get through a very long off season. It allows them to tune into our on season. In fact, so mm-hmm. uh, you know we're we're one of the few. I would say we're one of the few podcasts um, on the on, in the Game of Thrones universe uh, that that does operate three sixty five. Damn um, good time. days a year. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> Sorry. It's true though, and uh, no, you know is. we we uh, we love the fact that we can talk Game of Thrones uh, throughout the course of the year, not just for ten weeks when the show um, is bringing us uh, all the fun stuff that it does on a on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's too much mm-hmm. fun for us to do just for a small section of the year, and it's nothing strategical. We're just having a, a great time, and that's that's the best part of all of this. I think one of the reasons why we're so loose at the very end of this episode, particularly today, is because this has been a very long recording, including you know working with Skype and bringing in Evan, who was a guest caller today, uh, which, once again, we want to thank him for being a listener for so long and having such great things to say on the show and really just making that little idea work out super well. Uh, it's just fun. Everything's fun right now. We're having a good time. It's true. Yep. We enjoy it each and every week. What's the chapter for next it's week? It's Daenerys Stormborn, Mother of Dragons. <laughs> Mother of Whining. She has, she has like 15 other titles, too. She's like Tormund. Thank you for listening, everyone. Next week, Daenerys and much more. Why not toss it to uh, 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 I It's no it. time. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, dude. Yep. I don't I guess Sam 
jumped in there a little bit. Then he fell into the swimming pool. Yeah. God, I hate falling in swimming pools. It's, uh, well, especially clothed. I mean, that's I just... just think... What? I love jumping in swimming pools clothed because then, like, you get oh, out. Oh, so do I, Zach. Oh, yeah? You like how the clothes stick to your body? Mm-hmm. Me too. I like when the clothes stick to your body, buddy. I do too. Yeah. Sam, you're here just in time. You get to well, introduce... You get Once to int- you take that cloak off, it's warm outside. You get to introduce my segment. <laughs> the, 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 the cloak, it sticks to me. <laughs> even when I'm not in the pool. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, we did We did skip over the fact that, was it Tormund's, Giants Bane's member? Yeah, yeah three, three times. times. <laughs> you forgot. I am so shocked we didn't talk about that. Three uh. times. Too late. Three times. Two times the Is size it width of or just length? Because that would be weird. I think it's all factored in by a yeah. factor of three. Yep. Ugh. All right. So sorry, Mance. Yeah. They don't call him Giants Bane for nothing. 